Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hi, and welcome back to Doc Talks, where I doc talk. whole bunch of things are going on. Real busy, so I do apologize, but we can get through Kensai and give me a half an hour. I got you. We can do this. Sorry about that. It's been one of those hectic days. I literally just got off the phone on a business call and jumped right in, but here we are. I hope that everybody's doing good today. Uh, again, all the love and support that we're getting from Bros and Dragons, I appreciate it. Continue spreading the word, telling people about it. It's wonderful to tell a story. It's amazing to tell a story that people want to hear. It's phenomenal and humbling to tell a story that people want to be invested in. So I appreciate that very much. A lot of stuff going on at NerdWorks, but I'm not going to be able to jump into a lot of that right now. Right now, we need to jump into mugs, um, and I need to put out a very small episode. And today we're going to talk about uh, Ken Kenzie monks. So... Um, I'm sorry it took me so long to get here. I was a terrible person. Um, I'm going to skip the commercial this week. I do apologize. We'll be back up running normal next week. It's just what it is. Lots of stuff going on. I hope that you guys are having at least a different kind of busy that I've been having. I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. I love it. I thrive in it. But... I can see why people don't appreciate it a lot. Mike did a great job last week talking about it. He's a little bit more animated about things when we're going through. Uh, but we're going to go through monks again. And again, to start off, remember that monks are... Monks are, historically, people that have had religious uh, epiphanies. And... Majority of those became hermits. Very few did martial arts, but when D&D created this class, they focused on the ones that would go to monasteries, those uh, religious monks that would go to monasteries to learn and would use martial arts to center themselves, I think is the best way. Kensei is going to be a great one because it really feels like the art of what monks were. Um, it was put out later on. It wasn't one of the first ones, but it does feel a little bit more monkey. But remember at the very beginning, we'll run through this because there's not a lot of time. I just wanted to get this out there. So I apologize how short this episode's going to be. They don't have any armor because they work on key. So they get no armor proficiencies. Weapons, they get simple and short bows. Because, because monks rely on the key itself, the punching, the kicking. They do use those tools, but it is what it is. They do get an artisan tool or an instrument, that focus of external uh, concentration on one's inner, internal self. So as you're role-playing, keep these things in mind. You, as a monk, are granted unarmored defense. That means wearing plain clothes, going full Jedi outside the war, no armor, no nothing. You get, usually it's 10 plus your dexterity. For monks, uh, because of their hardened life force and, and they add um, study to their lives, it's dexterity modifier, wisdom modifier, plus 
10. That is their unarmored defense. They gain martial arts, usually without any feats or anything. When your character punches somebody, it's one plus a strength modifier if they're proficient. Um, martial arts allows them to, instead of having that one and strength, it switches to dexterity and they get a damage roll die instead. So at the first, when you go monk, you get a 1d4 and it builds as you move on. Your uh, unarmed strike becomes, or your martial arts is what it's called, gets a higher dice roll. When you use an attack action, and you are using your first attack action is unarmed with a punch or with like a quarter staff. All monks can make one unarmed strike as a bonus action. At second level, that's when they tap into that key force I was talking about before. So through their training, they learn to tap into themselves. Keys are treated a little bit like spells in certain instances, so they do have like a DC where you add your proficiency bonus, your wisdom modifier, and eight, and you can have a DC. This will work for ones that need saving throws against what you do. Um, but you can use the key points for flurries of blow, and flurries of blow adds a second attack to the bonus action attack. So, again, to let it go, you either strike out with martial arts or hit with a weapon and then that bonus action instead of taking that bonus action to do one you spend key points and flurry of blows does two attacks instead you can use patient defense with key that is where you use your bonus action to take the dodge action or make everything that tries to attack you attack at disadvantage um, and again remember economy action bonus action movement this is taking up your bonus action. And then the last one is uh, Step of the Wind. They all get Step of the Wind where they spend a key point. Again, using bonus action, they can either disengage or dash, which is options, lots of options. I don't know how people don't get more confused with, uh, with using monks. It should be one of those big question things. Uh, you get unarmored movement when at second level. Uh, increases your base speed to 10 feet. So if you're 30 feet, it goes to 40 while you're not wearing any armor. And it goes up at certain levels. And at ninth level, uh, you unlock an ability to run across vertical or liquid surfaces. So you can run across walls. You can't stop, but you can move across. You can't stop, but you can run across water as part of your movement. At third level, you choose your tradition. This is the ones we're talking about. Mike talked last week about the four elements. Um, I don't know if he did another one. I do apologize. I heard it, so don't think I don't listen. I just don't remember. Again, mostly because this is my brain's in 900 miles per hour and work. Uh, but, or Ken's eye, which we're going to talk about today. At third level, uh, they, every single monk can deflect missiles. So, even if your hands are full, like you have weapons or you're holding a quarterstaff with two hands, you can still deflect missiles. So if an arrow is shot at you or a rock is slung at you, those kind of missiles, it has to be an attack action missile, not a spell attack for that. For ranged attack, wep ranged weapon attack, 
if you're hit, the attacker is going to roll the damage die like normal. You can choose to deflect the missile, and how this evens out is that damage is rolled, the total is made. You roll 1d10 plus your dex modifier plus your level of monk, and it reduces the damage that is taken. If it's reduced to zero and you have an open hand, so you're not holding a weapon, you can catch it and then spend one key point to make a 20-foot range attack, or you can go past 20 to 21 feet to 60 feet is at disadvantage, and throw it back as a reaction. So that would use up your reaction in that, but it's a possibility. At fourth level, you gain slow fall. This is a reaction, assuming that you still have your reaction. You reduce your falling damage by five times your monk level. So at the at fourth level, it's 20. So if you were to fall and take 21 points of bludgeoning damage, you actually would take one point of bludgeoning damage. At fifth level, you get quicker reactions. You gain a second attack. So if you take an attack action on your turn, you can make a second attack on your turn. You That is one action. So that attack action is one attack action added with another attack action is your action economy. So you don't get more flurry of blows or bonus actions. <clears throat> Excuse me. You gain a key ability called Stunning Strike, and that's when you actually hit and you have to roll damage, you can spend a key point. This is where those DCs come in. And they would the the opponent that you hit after you spend that key point has to roll a constitution saving roll and if they fail against your dc you stun them for a round which is super powerful and it, it makes or breaks a lot of fights at 6th level your key your all your attacks at 6th level your key your inner energy makes your attacks magical for the purpose of overcoming magic resistance it doesn't actually give it a plus one. I think they were trying to be really clear with that. At seventh level, you gain stillness of mind. You can use your action to end an effect that and, and it's your action, but you can use an action to end an effect that's causing you to be charmed or frightened. Just choose not to have it anymore. Um, and I will tell you the misconception is. A lot of those where you're charmed or frightened, you have to make a saving throw at the end of your turn. You can't make that and then choose to do it. End of your turn is very specific. It means you either do this or roll the dice and see what happens. So keep that in mind. Uh, you also gain evasion, which is actually really awesome, which is when you roll a deck save on an attack. So the attack causes you to roll a deck save. It's not a two hit, but it's like fireball. You take half damage instead of full, or none instead of half if you succeed. So it's either half and none instead of full and half. At 10th level, you gain purity of body. You become immune to diseases and poisons. At 13th level, you gain tongue of sun and moon, which uses your key. You, you now have a way to touch the key of other people or creatures' minds. And so basically, this allows you to understand all spoken language and for them to understand you as well, as long as a language can is known. That's what it says, as long as a language is known. So if you're trying to do this with something that doesn't know a language, 
And language being the definition in the rules actually assigned a language. You'd be surprised how many creatures do not have a language assigned to them. But if they do have a language assigned to them, you can talk to them. At 15th level, you gain 10 timeless body. Your key sustains you. So you don't need food or water. You can't suffer from the fragility of age. You still die of old age. You still age. But as you get older, you don't get weaker. At 18th level, uh, if you make it this far, you become in, you can become invisible and resistant to all damage except force damage. And for a little bit more key, you can project yourself. Astral projection. And finally, 20th level, you get perfect soul. This lets you, when you roll initiative, if you don't have any key points left, you can add four to your pool for that time. That's what all monks get. So alone, before taking any monastic traditions, they're pretty awesome. Let's jump into Kensai. And I wish I wasn't, I wish I didn't have that meeting because this is such a cool um, extra. This is a cool um, monastic tradition. This is a cool subclass, no matter what you want to call it. It's really neat and, and has um, a very unique but real feel to it. <laughs> path of the Kensai at third level, when you choose this path, you become a master of weapons. Specific, though. You're one who sees fighting more as an art than just sheer force. They use their weapons as a master artist would use their brushes. Um, and it has some really cool options. So the first thing that happens with this, and this is all under the same Path of the Kensai um, Master Weapons. Kensai weapons. You're going to choose two type of weapons, one melee, one range. So basically, there's only the only thing that stops you from any of these weapons is they cannot be a heavy weapon and they can't have a special property. But you could choose two. And if you don't aren't proficient in those weapons, which if they're not simple or short bow, then you're not. You actually gain profession with the two weapons you choose. So you're not locked into saying, oh, I'm proficient with the, the ones that are signed. These are specific. And they're very sacred. These are your weapons. Um, this tradition feature only works when you choose Kensai weapons. Or I'm sorry, the, the next features I'm going to talk about work only for your Kensai weapons. Those two that you choose. You get Agile Parry. So if you make an unarmed strike as part of your attack action, remember as you go up, you'll get the two attacks. So if you make it as part of your attack action and you're holding a weapon, so you hit with your hand, but you have a weapon in your hand, you gain two AC until the start of your next turn because now you're using your weapon not to attack, but to defend. So you still get the attack with the martial arts and you get to defend with the weapon. That's Agile Parry is what it's called if you want to look it up. Kensai Shot, um, when you use your bonus, or you can use your bonus action. So when you take an attack action, you shoot your bow. Any target you hit with your ranged attack, you can choose to also tack your bonus action on top of that and do an extra D4 damage on top of the regular damage that happens. Um, 
and you 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 retain that to the end of the turn. So if you take if something allows you to shoot another one, whether it be a fighter commanding you to take another action, you would still get that extra damage. You don't need an extra bonus action. <laughs> Excuse me. Way of the brush, and of course this would be in here because of how this is. It allows you to be proficient with either calligraphy supplies or painter supplies. The art and grace of your fighting style is just that, and it translates to an art of some kind that you will become proficient with. That is all part of the Kensai selection, just at third level. At sixth level, you get one with the blade. You become so close with your weapon, your key affects them. These allow two things to happen. One is called Magic Kensai Weapon, so your weapon becomes magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance, the same as your martial arts at this level. And then you gain Death Strike, and that's when you hit, you can spend one key point and do extra damage with your weapon. You can do this only once on each of your turns, so it's not one of those, as long as you have key, you can do it. You can only do it once, as long as you have the key. And basically what happens, if you shoot a bow and arrow, say a long bow, that's 1d8. Not only can you use your bonus action to put 1d4 more on that, now you can actually spend one more key point, and again, on top of all that, add one of your martial arts die. Remember what I told you, it starts off at a d4, but it, it goes up. 11th level, you become Sharpen the Blade, is what it's called. And on a, as your bonus action, you can expend up to three key points. And there's a reason for this. And basically, as long as you're using a weapon that does not have plus one, plus two, plus three modifiers already added onto it, how many key points you use, remember, up to three, one, two, or three, get added as bonus to your attack and damage roll. So using three key points, you can have a plus three weapon. Um, and it lasts for a minute, which is more than fights usually go without having to find a plus three weapon, which are very rare. <laughs> 17th level, if you miss while attacking with your Kensai weapon, you can re-roll the attack. You can still miss, because you only get the one re-roll, and you can only do that once per turn. So basically, on your turn, when you go to hit, if you miss with either that first or at this level, that second attack, you can re-roll it and try again. That is Kensai. It's all about the weapon. It's all about the art. It's very centered. It's very grace dependent. You can play these however you want, but in my mind, I see this as somebody who is centered, who understands their purpose in life. No matter what their history was, they are good with who they are, and they can express it through art through calligraphy, through writing, and with weapons. It's a person who is, most monks to me feel like people that are centered. No anger, no hate, there's no Sith and Jedi feeling about it. It just feels like somebody who is never affected by emotion around them. Kensai's are amazing monks, wonderful to play. Um, 
next week. I promise, long death and mercy, I'll be on time. And we will get rolling with that. If you guys have any questions for me whatsoever, you're more than welcome to go to our Discord, uh, which is the link to it is in every podcast note, should be on uh, every YouTube video. And, I mean, for here, if you're uh, just squatting in the background and you're new, just listening to me talk, you're more than welcome to come into our Discord and ask D&D questions. Uh, there's a lot of people there that understand D&D. Uh, there's a lot of people there that understand it more than I do. Um, I know people like to be like, oh, Doc's the, the head. I know how to tell a good story, and I know enough of the rules to do that with D&D. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Um, I'm doing this show more for me than you guys, but that's all I have. Uh, just remember tonight, there's another talk show, game night. It's amazing. It's about tabletop role-playing games, but not like this. They talk about them as, as an overall view. It's been amazing so far, so I encourage you to come right here at NerdWorks Media. For now, I just want to remind you to love one another, keep it nerdy, and live your dreams. Later! This has been a NerdWorks production.